there's these laser drive-through where all this, you know, first slight decorations, you know, and it's just flashing lights, and, and it's done all in concert with a radio station that they that you dial into, that they play music, and, and it's in tune with the music, the way that it flashes and whatnot. It's really, really cool. And so you're you're behind these cars, and we're kind of weaving through the thing, and um, and it's great. Our kids are loving it. We're loving it. We're we, we're recording, taking pictures. It's the only time you can while you're driving. Um, and we're going at like one mile an hour, right? Literally 0.5 to one mile an hour. And it, it's it's so funny because I'm, I'm driving in my car, and when I'm in traffic at one mile an hour, it's incredibly frustrating, right? You guys ever been there? Yeah. And it's incredibly frustrating. And but here I am, we're enjoying the sights, these Christmas lights. But at the same time, like I'm like, there's a part of me that's like, why won't this car in front of me go faster? <laughs> just because I'm so used to when there's a car in front of me that's not moving, it's frustrating. Just by nature of being in the car, right? But I'm like, no, I'm here at a Christmas light show to enjoy these lights. It was a gift given to us. We gotta enjoy it, right? And, and that's what I feel like oftentimes our lives are like, is that especially in this Christmas season, and certainly throughout every season of our life, I, I feel like God wants us to pause and rest and take in the glory that He is. And yet, we're so used to just driving forward with the way we've been living. Do you see? And, and just the impulse to keep living for the things we're living for and thinking, acting, talking, whatever, that we're so used to without thinking about the glory of God and living for His glory. And so today, that's what I want us to do, is, is exactly that, is to fight that impulse to just keep going, to be like, okay, God, I, I want to take in your glory that you want to reveal to me, and I want to live in light of that, and I want to, I want to move forward in a new way. Okay. This is what, what I want for us. And so today, we're, we're jumping into John chapter 1, and the sermon title is In Light of the Darkness in light of the darkness. And so we're going we're gonna to dive right in here. I'm going to first read nine verses, and we're going to really dig into the next verses there. So in the beginning, that is before time even began, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That means before anything, all, all serious scientists agree that all time, space, and matter were, had to have been brought into existence at a single point in, in time. Before there even was time. <laughs> it was all a created thing. It had to come into existence. And, and, and this is what it's saying. is that Before that even existed, the word, which is the Greek word logos, from which we get the word logi, right? Theology, biology, whatever. That the word it literally means wisdom or perfect order, shalom. And so this is actually what we're about to see is that this word was Jesus, is Jesus. And so Jesus, the Son of God, was with God. He is God. Next verse. He was in the beginning with God. So Father, Son, Holy Spirit, verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He created the entire universe, the entire world we live in, and all the order that, that it is. In him was life, and the life was the life of men. He himself was life. Before anything, before any life was created, he was a life that existed before. Before anything material came into being, life was there. That is God himself. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it, overcome it, or understood it. A, a, a better translation might be grasped 
because when you're grasping something, you're trying to overcome it to, to your advantage, or you're trying to grasp an understanding of it. If both are here, and the darkness has not grasped it, this true light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptist, whose message was repent, get ready for the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's coming. He's, he must become greater, I must become less. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is a great vision statement for all of our lives, by the way. We are not the light. This life is not about us. The world doesn't revolve around us. But matter of fact, all we do is that we're here to bear witness to the light. Everything was created through him, to him, and for him. Here we go. The true light, which gives light to everyone who's coming into the world. It's possible. The true light. The Greek word true can mean heavenly or everlasting. Heavenly or everlasting. As opposed to, as opposed to temporal or earthly. What does this mean? The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This, this means that we have been living in darkness. We have been living in darkness. And it's about to see, we didn't realize that. This is my first point. We don't realize that we're in darkness. We don't realize that we're in darkness. We think that because we have all these things going on in our lives, we have all these things in our world, we have all these great things, whatever it's technological advances, human ingenuity, all these things, we look to those things and we go, you know what? Our lives are not that dark. This world is not that dark. But God's, God's vantage point, it's darkness. Mind you, John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, when he wrote this, was a time within which was known during the Roman Empire as called the Pax Romana. The Pax Romana in Latin means the peace of Rome. Because during this time, there was incredible, incredible economic financial prosperity in the Roman Empire. There's incredible stability and peace and unity within the Roman Empire. It felt like heaven on earth. And yet, from God's vantage point, he's looking down at that, and he goes, that is darkness. Let this, let this guide you here, because think about this. Oftentimes, we look at this world and we go, you know what, I'm going through a dark season in life, so I just need a little bit of more of this. I need a little bit more of that. Then my life will be better. And, and the same, same thing with the lives of my loved ones and society. And the world. Just have more of this, more of that. And God's going, look, all of that is darkness apart from me. We all know this by experience, don't we? We've tried it and tried it. That's why we're all addicted and embittered and discontent and ungrateful. Why? Because it's darkness apart from Jesus. Darkness from the hope of eternal life, we're about to see, to be more specific. But it's all darkness. And we like what? We're like, we're like moths that go to a flame, to, to the flickering flames of this world, only to die and crumble and smolder and not experience the true light. It's interesting that there's a theory about moths that they might not necessarily be attracted to light, but what they do is that they fly according to the moon. <laughs> In relationship to the moon, that it flies at a certain angle. And so when all of a sudden these artificial lights appear, they start, you know, circling around the street light or whatever, or the light on our porch, not knowing where they're going. And I feel like that's often us, is that we're, we're meant to orbit around the sun. That's Jesus Christ, and yet we don't know how to do it because we've been attracted to temporal earthly lights, thinking that's where life is found, thinking we're going to orbit our lives around that, 
and we're crashing and burning with them. Proverbs 13, 12, I've mentioned this proverb many times, is hope deferred makes the heart sick. A hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a, but a hope fulfilled leads to a tree of life. Hope deferred. How many of us have had our hopes deferred in this season of life, in, in these past years? Maybe it was this week. Maybe you've received some news. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Certainly spiritually, sometimes physically manifests that. Because we're putting our hope in all these things of this world, and it's not working. It's being deferred. It's, being, it's disappointing us. And then we're becoming depressed. And then we're becoming destructive. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And in depression and anxiety, there's a sense in which you're not wrong. Because what this passage is saying is that apart from Christ, if you're putting your hope in all these things of this world, you're in darkness. Apart from Christ, you're in darkness. This is what Christmas is about, is that Jesus came as a true light to give us true, everlasting, eternal heavenly hope. A hope fulfilled leads to a tree of life. Let's look at verse 10. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. The world did not know him. Check this out. Here's my point here. We don't realize that we're in darkness, therefore we don't recognize true light. <laughs> we don't realize we're in darkness, we think that, you know, we got all the light that we need in this world, and so we don't recognize the true light when it comes. Jesus Christ, he created the entire cosmos, the entire universe, the entire world that we live in. He created us, made in his image, and we don't recognize him. This is exactly what happened when Jesus arrived here. And that very first Christmas, and then in his entire earthly ministry, his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension, they didn't recognize him by and large. This happens with us every day, doesn't it? God is trying to make himself known to us. He's trying to reveal himself to us through creation, through the word, through Christ and the gospel. And I believe even in the movements of everyday life, he's trying to reveal himself to us. And yet, we don't recognize it. Because we've been living according to these early temporal lights. And so when he's trying to reveal his glory, we don't see it, we don't recognize it for what it is the glory and greatness that it is. And we keep pressing the snooze button, snooze button, snooze button, and we'd rather stay in the darkness and go to sleep. Let's say you work at a certain store, and the CEO shows up at the store that you work at, or the hospital you work at, or wherever you work at. The CEO shows up, and you don't recognize him. And you continue to just work half-heartedly, you know? You don't even pay him any attention. That's what happened when Jesus arrived. Our creator, our maker, the ruler, the Lord, when he showed up, we didn't recognize him. And that happens every day. And we live as though we're the CEO, we're the Lord, we're the savior of our own story. We didn't recognize him. Furthermore, we rejected him. Look at the next verse, verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So not only did they not recognize him, they rejected him. Here's my next point. We don't realize that we're in darkness, therefore we don't recognize true light, and we reject the true light. 
So not only do we treat that CEO as if he's a, a nobody, but not, not only that, we begin to reject him. We, do, we begin to disrespect him, mistreat him, kick him out of the store, kick him out of the hospital. We reject him. Jesus Christ, he came here specifically, making himself known who he is, proclaiming the scriptures that he's fulfilling, and all the things that he would do, and all these miracles, signs, and wonders, healing people, raising people from the dead, feeding people out of nothing, all these things that he did, and all these things that he proclaimed about himself, that he was the Messiah that they've been waiting for, and that he would die according to scriptures and rise again. And that's exactly what happened, and yet, they rejected to the very end. Isn't this us? Isn't this the reason that we still find ourselves stagnant in our walks with God, or even hostile against God, or whatever it is, why you're in your besetting sin, it's because we, we choose to reject Him. Look at verse 12, I want to expound on this more. Next verse. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Let's pause right there. So there are, there is a remnant of people who did receive him. What we see here is that, again, the majority are rejecting him, right? They don't realize they're in darkness, and they don't recognize the true light. They reject the true light. But there is a remnant who do receive him. And how do we do that? By believing. By believing. That's the only way. And I, I want to be very careful about this. The word believe has more of a meaning of trust. Do you trust in this Jesus? The book James says, look, you believe? Great. Even the demons believe. And they shudder. Satan and all his demons and all his minions who are hostile and angry against God and his church, they believe, and yet they're not saved, they're not redeemed, they even shudder at the presence of God, at the name of Jesus. And James is saying, that's to your shame because you don't even fear God. So this belief, what is this belief then? It's talking about trust. Do you trust? Do you trust that Jesus is your own God? Do you trust? Do you believe that he has said that you are in darkness? There's darkness inside of you. And the only hope is not the amount of good works you do. The only hope is not what kind of family you were born in. None of that. It specifically is your hope and trust in this Jesus Christ, that he is the only true, heavenly, eternal light who has come to save you. And you have no other grounds, no other merits to defend you on judgment day except the blood of Christ. Do you believe that? Now here's the thing, here's what's going to stop us from believing this. Jesus talks about this in John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nicodemus at night. I think we have it up here. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. Verse 20, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. We go to verse 19. Jesus here is saying, look, here's the problem at the end of the day. When someone is presented the gospel, when someone is shown that, hey, you are in darkness, you need the true light. The reason that they still reject him is because at the end of the day is that they have desires in their heart and love darkness. That's the problem. We love darkness. 
Bottom line, James says that a person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. And desire conceives sin, and sin, when it's fully grown, leads to death. Desire is a problem. And so I want to ask us again, what do you desire? What do you desire in this life? That's going to determine whether or not you're going to be open to actually receive, to trust, to love, to treasure this true life. What do you desire? What do you love? And we all know this by experience, don't we? We know what we ought to do, right? In any given situation, we know what we ought to do. But the fact is, bottom line, we just want to do what we want to do. Because we love these dark deeds. Whatever it is, right? And check this out. Apart from Christ, apart from Christ, we cannot get out of that darkness. Matter of fact, we go deeper into the darkness. Let me explain. Take it. Overeating. Overeating. And maybe, you know, concerned about weight gain or your body image or whatever it may be. And you go, you know what? I love comfort eating, so I'm just going to eat. And then you gain weight. You know what? I don't, I don't like the way I look, so you know what? I'm going to stop eating. But what do you do? You're, you're depressed about your weight gain, so what do you do? You find yourself at the pantry looking for more food. Do you see? And then as you gain weight, you go, what? I need to buy new clothes that fit me more, hide my fat, or whatever. And then you, you feel depressed about that, and you get more food. Do you see? You can't get out of that darkness. Take lust, right? Lust and sexual morality. If you get into that, what happens? You feel incredibly ashamed because the Holy Spirit is convicting you to turn away from that. And we don't turn to Christ in repentance of faith. What begins to happen? What's the quickest way to feel affirmed and all your guilt and shame uncovered? More lust. Someone to love you despite your shame and guilt. You go deeper and deeper and deeper into sin. You see? Apart from the true light, we are stuck in darkness. This is why the true light came. He came here to rescue us. Another way to put it is like, if, you know, if you've ever been stuck in the snow and your parking spot and you try to get out, you put it in a drive, you pedal to the metal, and you can't get out. Why? Because there's snow there. So what do you do? Instinct? Pedal harder. Snow kicks out. And your car lowers onto the snow, and now you're, you're, you're laying flat on the snow with no hope of getting out, unless you got some kitty litter or something in your trunk. We can't get out of the darkness on our own effort. It has to be Jesus, and that's why he came. No amount of education, human ingenuity, we cannot get out of this darkness apart from Christ. We have no hope, and we're all on our way to hell apart from him. This is what he's saying. In him was life, and that light was the light of men. That's what he's saying here. Romans chapter 1 talks about this. Verse 20 to 23. For his invisible attributes, that's God, named his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. Meaning, you can look at all the creation and, and, and the true goal of science is to really see the perfect divine order the, and, and, and the intelligent design of our Creator and the irreducible complexity of all things that He created. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they came, became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. In other words, idolatry. 
We've replaced God with other things, other lesser temporal earthly lights, and as a result, our hearts become darkened. We think, you know what, it's, I need more of this, I need more of that, I need to tweak this, I need to tweak that, and then, and then my life will be better. But here, God is indicting against that, and he's saying, look, your heart will become darker the more you do that. And we all know this by experience, I'm telling you, right? We've done that. We keep trying that. We're incredibly depressed and anxious, but it's getting worse and worse. And there's a sense in which, again, we're not wrong to feel depressed and anxious because God is trying to bring you out of that darkness that you're in, that you're getting deeper and deeper into. And that darkness we see here is within us. Let's finish off with these last couple of verses here. Children of God who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, tabernacled among us. And we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is what Christmas is about. The light came into our darkness, and we were born not of, what's this verse before here? Born not of blood, meaning like we were not born into it. If someone says, you know, I'm a Christian because I'm born in a Christian family, and that's wrong. They don't get it. We weren't, that's not how this works. We have to be what? John chapter 3? Born again. How does this happen? Will of the flesh, can we make it happen? No. We're not going to make this happen. Nor the will of man. Does anyone else make it happen for you? No. It's God who makes this happen. Let this be incredibly convicting. For those of us who grew up in a good Christian family and grew up in church, you're not a Christian because of that. God certainly used it, as Paul tells Timothy, you grew up with the scriptures which are able to make you wise to salvation. Praise God for that. But it's God who made it happen. At the end of the day, are you going to desire Christ over the things of this world? What's it going to be? Lastly, for those of us who are sitting here today and you're not a Christian or you're wondering, I don't even know if I'm a Christian after what you just preached, Pastor Jim. I'm telling you right now, it's God who quickens the heart. If you feel him pulling on your heart and going, you know what, maybe I'm not a Christian, or I am not a Christian, but then, and you're going, you know what, I'm gonna put that off. I'm gonna put that off to later. You know, maybe when I'm ready, you know, when I have a little bit more information, when I get my life from the wood, I'm telling you right now, you might not even have that chance. You're not able to make this choice in your own. It's God who quickens your heart and says, here I am, the true light in your darkness. You see, you don't know if you're going to have that chance later. You're going to harden your heart today. Your heart might go, you know what, I desire these other things. You're going to continue with those other things. You're not even going to have the opportunity to receive it. So if you feel that right now, I'm telling you right now, we have to realize that we're in darkness. We have to recognize the truth. Choose not to reject the true light and choose to receive the true light, to put our entire trust in this true light. He's the one that can pull us out of our darkness. He's the light of the world, and he will light up your life for time. Now and into eternity. Nothing in this world will do that for you. You cannot accomplish that. This world cannot give you that. Only our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the Christmas story is about. And I want to end with this illustration. Anyone here have a, a real Christmas tree in the living room? A real one? Okay, I got a fake one too. All right, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I did have a real one one time, and it was it was a really fun experience. 
you know, where we had to go to the field and cut down and do all that. But imagine if you had a real Christmas tree in your living room, and your Christmas tree goes, I did such a good job arriving at this living room. And I did such a good job dressing myself up in all these lights and ornaments and putting the star on top. I, I, I did such a great job. You know, all these gifts I'm looking for. How foolish would it be? I remember when I was a little seed planted in that park before. Yeah, how, how ridiculous, right? And th that's how it is for a Christian to think that they earned this, that they did this. No. The owner of the home had to go to a field where you were hopeless and stranded and had to cut you down and you had to die to yourself. And he had to pick you up and raise you up with him in the heavenly places of Ephesians chapter 2. He had to do that to you. You were dead in your trespasses. He rose you up again with him. Do you see? And when we realize this truth, and then not only that, that would be plenty, but he puts out his, his own radiant glory, made in his image. We're born again. He did that for us. He did that for me. You know how it says to all those who believed in his name? There's a difference between believe that and believe in. Check this out. I can believe that cars are good. Cars are good to get from point A to point B. But do I believe in my car's ability to do that for me? And if I do, I will get in and drive. You see? Or even getting married. Rebecca believed that marriage was a good thing. But there's a difference when we're at the altar and she believes in the vows that I'm making to her. Do you see? And she believed in those promises. She believed in the covenant that I was making with her at the wedding altar. Do you believe that Jesus, he died for your sins? To deliver you out of your darkness. To give you eternal hope. He did that for you. Believe in him. Do you believe that? Like truly. And he is your trust. Is he your greatest truth? This is what Christmas is about. And you will see. You will see when you do. When you do. Proverbs 13, 14. A hope fulfilled. It's a truth of life. You will experience that blessedness now and forever. You will live to a body of darkness. He will always be your light. And you know my Christmas tree? I thank God for the lights that are on there because <laughs> at night when I finish cleaning and turning off all the lights, oftentimes in the dark I, I stub my toe on some toy or something, you know, or a chair that's misplaced. But now I have some light to navigate my way. And I'm telling you right now that because you have this true light of the world in your heart, if you have received them as your truest hope, as your truest greatest treasure in the darkness, when you have that, you will be able to get through the dark times in a way that you actually persevere, endure, and you have great joy because the light of the world is guiding you. No matter what dark time that you're going through, he is with you, he is by your side, and he's going to lead you home to glory one day. He is the true Let's pray. Father God, we just acknowledge today that apart from you, we are in darkness. And Lord, as a result, the light of your word, the lamp unto our feet, what it has revealed to us today, Lord, we recognize the true light. 
We choose to reject our darkness. And we choose to perceive the true light today as our only hope. As our only and truest and everlasting hope, Lord, we receive you. Help us to live a life that pleases you through the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of your presence dwelling in us. And as we navigate the darkness of this world, the dark seasons of our lives, may we truly feel and understand, believe and trust in your presence. And knowing that we have a blessed hope that lies ahead, even as this passing, fading world that's like a mist, as it says in the book of James, that we have an everlasting hope that we are with you. Because of what happened on that very first Christmas, when you were good on your promise to come to us as the Savior. To die on the cross in our place, to forgive us of our sins, to rise again, to bring us home with you. For all who would believe in your Son, Jesus Christ. And for this, we give you praise. In Jesus' name. Amen.